I'm not sure how you all did with the COVID situation. Uh, the COVID, it was COVID-19, right? That's what it was called, COVID-19 or 13? COVID-19. <laughs> Who cares now, right? We don't have to wear masks anymore, so why even talk about it? Uh, well, that, that took a little bit of a toll on our church. And uh, right now we're doing well overall, but not being able to meet for a while was, was real challenging for our church. And, uh, but once we were able to get back, it was, we had some things to work through. Uh, some people developed some not-so-good habits during that time. And for, as a church, we realized how important it is that we see each other regularly face-to-face. Uh, if, if, it, if COVID did anything for us as a church, it helped us realize the importance of not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Uh, it's one thing to meet virtually. We did learn a lot about the virtual transmission of our services, but uh, it was a hard time spiritually for our church. So we learned a lot, but uh, we, need, we, need to be, we need to see each other regularly. And uh, though we, what we understand when we're having hard times, we may not express that to everybody we know. Uh, we do need to express it to some people, even if it's one person. Because as we'll find in this text, the confession is what's essential for our healing and our growth as Christians. Uh, and so let's read verses 13 through 20 of James chapter 5. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that you might be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converts a sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. And so there are some sicknesses that maybe we can't avoid. Uh, we, we all have had COVID. Uh, my, my parents, when they got COVID, it, well, it took a toll on them. Fortunately, they survived it. Uh, we, in fact, lost a man uh, in Colonia to COVID. Uh, he, he's uh, Alvaro's dad. Alvaro is this deacon, this young man who works for the mayor of our city. His dad died when he got COVID. Uh, and so that helped us realize this is a, a fairly serious sickness for some people at least. Uh, there's some, some physical sicknesses affect us. Uh, and there's sometimes spiritual sicknesses that affect us. And we're talking about bitterness, hatred, a lack of respect, coldness, hypocrisy, these are spiritual sicknesses, and unless we deal with them correctly, they could even become physical sicknesses. And I think of that verse in uh, 1 Corinthians 5, uh, and in other verses, chapters, 1 Corinthians 11, that says, why is it that some are sick among you, and some even sleep, some have died? Well, these are believers who had sin issues that were never resolved correctly. Maybe there wasn't repentance, maybe there was not acknowledgement of the sin, uh, but it became a problem, even to the point of physical death for some people, worst case scenario. Uh, and so sickness is a serious thing. And the Bible tells us there's certain things we can do to solve our spiritual sicknesses. Uh, I remember when I was working back in high school and college for a retired psychiatrist. 
My dad had a joke. He said, man, that psychiatrist needs a psychiatrist. And there was a lot of truth to that. Uh, he was a hoarder and he had this big house in the nice part of Rockford. And the only way you could get through his house was while walking through these little trails that were anywhere from two to five feet tall uh, because he never threw anything away. And I went over there quite a few times to try to help him get cleaned up. And I realized that he just doesn't want to throw anything away. And so it was hard to see progress there. But he, I also learned, being a young man, I saw that his relationship with his wife wasn't very good. And uh, I shared the gospel with them. Uh, he eventually made a profession of faith, but uh, Virginia, his wife, passed away. And I was surprised to hear what he told me were her last words. Uh, she told him before she died, you killed me. You killed me which shows there was bad communication, if any good communication between them. Uh, but there were unresolved issues that for her led to sickness and even led to death. Uh, this is a worst case scenario. And as believers, we need to communicate and confess to avoid spiritual sickness and yes, to, to a large degree, perhaps even physical sicknesses. Uh, but God is the good physician and he prescribes three remedies for those of us who might be suffering spiritually. And those three remedies we find in this text, he prescribes sincerity, he prescribes community, and he prescribes holiness. In verse 13, we see that he prescribes sincerity. He says, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. So when you're troubled, you don't have to pretend. You don't have to put on airs. Uh, you might be of a heavy heart at any given time in your life, and that's okay. You need to pray. You need to pray and maybe find other people who will pray with you so you can get through those hard times. Uh, if you have a heavy heart, you don't have to put on airs, you should pray. And when you're happy, it's okay to express it. You can express it. And the Bible says as believers, we rejoice with those who rejoice. We weep with those that weep. We seek to be of one mind and one heart as we serve the Lord and we, we wait on the Lord. Uh, but God prescribes sincerity for our lives. Uh, I've, I've heard this. I think it was a Southern Gospel song uh, that uh, it was, I don't remember the exact words. Uh, the church I was going to back in college, they sang it a couple of times. It was about, if you're feeling sad, you should just sing. You should just get over it and sing. And maybe there's some truth to that. Maybe that's helpful sometimes. But if we look at the scriptures, if you have a heavy heart, uh, you're commanded to pray through those times and find strength in the Lord, and hope in the Lord. And if you're down for a while, that's not necessarily wrong. Uh, you just don't want to stay down. You don't want to stay depressed. Uh, the Lord has a plan for lifting you out, and one of the remedies is just by being sincere about what you're going through. And if you're happy, you don't have to hide it. Uh, as believers, we rejoice when someone else is going, having a great time. Um, but God wants us to be sincere. Uh, Proverbs 25, 20. Let's go ahead and read that. Proverbs 25, 20 says, As he that taketh away a garment in cold weather, and as vinegar upon nitre, so is he that singeth songs to a heavy heart. In other words, there are some things that just don't go together. And two things that don't go together too well is if you just try to, someone's of a heavy heart and they're afflicted, and you try to force them just to be happy and sing, uh, that's a painful thing. It's not what the person needs. What the person needs is perhaps sympathy, what the person needs is prayer. And uh, these two comparisons here, uh, here in verse 20, a garment in cold weather. 
especially in northern Wisconsin, you know what it's like when you're not dressed appropriately for, for cold weather. It can be painful. Uh, well, we don't want to put others through a painful experience by expecting something from them that they can't provide. Or uh, vinegar upon nitre. And so I, I've heard this explained as uh, a nitre being a soap product that it, it wears it away. It makes the vinegar ineffective and it also makes the soap ineffective. They kind of cancel each other out. Uh, and so these things are like he that sings songs to a heavy heart. When you, when you tr- expect something from someone, just for them to be happy, let's say, but they're afflicted and it's hard for them to be happy. Uh, that, that can be a painful and inappropriate situation because God doesn't ask you to put on airs. What God asks from us is that we be sincere with him and with one another. And if there's that sincerity, there will be a liberty to uh, benefit from the community that God prescribes. And that's the second thing that we see in verses 14 through 16. So verses 14 through 16 say, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you might be healed. Uh, well, there's, there's some different takes on this passage. Uh, it is true that back uh, in the first century, oil was viewed as medicinal. And so uh, if there was a wound, the oil could uh, help kind of like salve for a wound. It might help heal it. It might take away some of that stinging pain. Uh, and perhaps that's partly what's in view here, is oil was used uh, symbolically perhaps, but also because it had medicinal uh, properties to it. Uh, that could be part of it. Uh, but essentially when someone was sick, uh, apparently someone who had a, a decent or good standing in the church, it's not just someone who doesn't really believe in the Lord, doesn't have a Christian testimony, and just says, hey, he calls the nearest church and he wants the leaders to come and heal him. Uh, that's not what we see here. But if there's uh, an integral member of our community, of the, of the local church, who's sick uh, and might feel like there's nothing that can be done or nothing more that can be done, uh, it says here that the elders of the church, the leaders of the church, can come and pray. And if this person has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Now, I think we have to be careful not to assume that other people can pray regardless of whether the person's repentant or not, and the sins will be forgiven. We see throughout Scripture the importance of the individual recognizing if there's a wrong, repenting that, and want, wanting restoration. Uh, and so we, we can safely assume that this person is not just like a whatever attitude towards his sin. He recognizes his sin, but he depends on others to come alongside and help him confess that sin and get those things right with God. Uh, there, there may be uh, a miraculous element to this uh, anointing with oil, but I think it's more symbolic in this passage. Uh, when I was teaching this a, a few weeks ago, uh, the retired pastor, uh, the pastor emeritus, if you will, spoke up, and I appreciated it. You know, the Bible says, let the spirit of the prophets be subject to the prophets. In other words, uh, none of us has the corner on all the truth. If someone realizes, ah, there's another scripture that actually says something, and it nuances what you're saying, amen. We should all listen to that. We all want to be informed by all of scripture. Uh, but I was, I was giving this uh, explanation, and he said, but I, I want to share a personal testimony. He said, when I was pastoring down in Tennessee, uh, a person was very sick, and we went, and the doctors couldn't help. Nothing was working for this person, and we went, and we anointed the person with oil, literally. And we prayed over the person, 
And that person was healed within a very short amount of time. And uh, what could I say to that? You know, I, I respected that. Uh, I think in Colonia, we're reticent to do this because I, there, there's so many people that uh, be, maybe they don't have the money or the knowledge to, to get to, to heal through their diet or with the proper medicine. They might just want well, for whatever comes up, the church to come and heal them, you know. And so you have to be careful with that, of course. But this is what the pastor shared, and I appreciated it. Uh, there was another testimony uh, in a biography on the pastor, Ed Nelson. Uh, he was a pastor for a long time in Colorado. Uh, he helped, I think, a Baptist World Mission started or organized. He died just a year or two ago, 99 years old. Some of you might, might know Ed Nelson. Uh, well, we got his biography. We read it together as a family. And he told the story of how he was deathly ill as a young man. And the doctor said, you have six months to live. Uh, they gave him way too high doses of this experimental medicine to heal him from a serious farming accident. And so they said, well, you, you got four times the dosage, and the regular dosage is already too high. You've got six months. So he was preparing to die there with his new wife, and uh, there were some, some leaders of their local church decided they would come and pray for this young man. And they did all of this. They anointed his head with oil. They prayed over him. And he lived to be 99 years old. And he said at various points in his life, he would reflect and say, uh, how in the world did I get past that time period? Often laid up in bed with a lot of pain. And his wife would always remind him, Ed, you're still alive today because the elders came and prayed over you. And uh, he said, well, what argument did he have for that? She was right. Uh, so that's his testimony. What are some principles that we learn from these verses? Well, for one, we're, we're a community of faith. No one's an island to himself. Perhaps my faith is strong in God, but I still need others whose faith is strong in God. I need them to be there for me. I need their encouragement. I need them to support me sometimes when I'm weak. And I need people to be there for me when I'm struggling perhaps against some sin or even in some sin. I need someone there who's going to be able to help lift me out. And we need to be the kinds of people who are able and willing to help lift people out. Um, because we're a community of faith. And none of us are an island to ourselves. Our faith is bankrupt unless we are confessing to one another and praying for one another. Admitting our weakness and dependence adds to and does not subtract from our strength. Let me say that one more time because sometimes when we've been Christians for a long time, this isn't as intuitive as it should be. Admitting our weaknesses and dependence adds to and does not subtract from our strength. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another so that you might be healed. That's what the wise Pastor James is telling us, brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we have to be careful with this, of course. I've been in some situations in a recovery program where uh, every week it seemed like the, uh, the people who came would get in a circle and they would just talk about all their failures. And it happened that way week after week. And I thought, oh, but this isn't the Christian life. It's not just coming every week to talk about all of our failures. Maybe we're struggling, uh, but there's victory if we'll put into practice the biblical principles. Uh, and so there's an extreme. We don't come together just to conf only confess and talk about all of our failures. We focus on the power and the grace of the Lord uh, to lift us out of sin habits. But even so, if we get to the other extreme and we, we feel like we can't confess some struggle or some temptation or some sin that we, we feel we're about to commit or we are committing, if we get to the point where we, we, we can't confess that to anybody, 
we're in a really dangerous place because we have to confess in order to be healed. In order to be healed. And uh, this is the whole priesthood of the believer idea. You know, as, as Baptists, we believe in the priesthood of the believer, that we can go directly to God. Uh, we don't need to go through a priest in order for God to hear us. We don't need to formalize confession like the Catholics do, perhaps, but we should have the humility and develop the communication skills necessary for confession. If we don't, that unconfessed sin will fester. It'll fester. Uh, we have uh, an example of this back in Psalm 66. Psalm 66, verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And if I'm not mistaken, there in Psalm 51, David describes what life was like when he had unconfessed sin, and he was pretty miserable. But we want, it, we want an open line with God. But if there is sin that we've regarded in our heart, it creates spiritual illness. And that spiritual illness can become a physical illness as well. Uh, it will fester. And so what does God prescribe for us to help us avoid sin that festers? Well, he prescribes community. You're there for me. I'm there for you. And if you're going through some hard time, my commitment to you and to God is that I will not despise you, but I will, I will be there to help you, and I will be there to pray for you. And I want to do everything I can to help see you through that temptation. I want to do everything I can to help lift you out of that sin habit until you, you are getting the victory consistently. You might struggle with some things the rest of your life, but you're not letting it fester because you recognize the issue. Others have recognized the issue with you. And we are praying and we are confessing biblically so that we can be healed. And then finally, God prescribes holiness. So God prescribes sincerity, God prescribes community, and God prescribes holiness. That's what we see in the end of 16 to, the, to verse 20. It says here, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It's not just any prayer that will avail. It's the prayer of a righteous man that availeth much. 17, Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. Uh, Elijah struggled with depression at times. There were times when this prophet of God became depressed. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you err from the truth and one convert him. So again, it's this context of confession here. He says, is there someone who's struggling with some sin? If there is any one of you applying these principles who goes and gives them, gives them your hand to help lift them up and lift them out, and you're there to pray for them and encourage them, and you're an accountability partner in that sense, let him know that he which converts a sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and will hide a multitude of sins. There's plenty of passages that talk about uh, seeking to win souls that don't know Christ yet. But this one is given in a context of those who are professing believers. Uh, and we can save those souls, perhaps not their eternal soul, but from, uh, you know, destroying what they have left of their lives. Uh, and he shall hide a multitude of sins. Uh, there was a Puritan who said this, A holy minister is a terrible weapon in the hands of God. And uh, as far as the effectiveness of our prayers go, there was a philosopher, he was a Christian philosopher, a little 
a little off on some of his beliefs, but he said something that really caught my attention years ago. He said, the Archimedean point outside the world is an oratory where a man really prays in all sincerity, and he shall move the earth. And it is unbelievable what a man of prayer can achieve if he will close the doors behind him. So what can we learn from Elijah? He was a man subject to the same passions as we are, yet he was very powerful with God and with men. Uh, well, he was subject to like, like passions. That means sometimes he was afraid. Sometimes he was depressed. Sometimes his focus was all wrong. It was on himself. It was perhaps on his own legacy. Uh, and it was all wrong. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I'm going to go ahead and read that. It says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able and will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape that you might be able to bear it. So he was subject to like passions. Uh, something else that we can learn from Elijah is he incited others to holiness. Everybody around him seemed to be following Baal, afraid of the king and the queen who were ungodly. And he was willing to stand against them and be one of the few. Sometimes he thought he was the only one. God had to remind him there's actually 7,000 who haven't bowed the knee to Baal. Uh, but he often felt alone. And, but he was, he was just convinced that with the time and the life that was given to him, his, his job was to help point other people to God. And sometimes uh, he did this through seeking judgment on sin. Sometimes he prayed down God's judgment on sin so people would learn a healthy fear of God, not let people just get away indefinitely with their sin. And those kinds of prayers God hears too. Uh, we ought to pray for God's mercy and grace upon people persisting in sin, but we also should pray that God judges sin so people can learn a healthy fear of God. Uh, and if we see someone struggling going in that direction, do what we can to help lift them up and lift them out. But in those cases where someone decides they're going to persist in sin and defame the name of God, we need to pray that God will discipline so that we all might respect and fear God the way we should. Elijah prayed that way, and God heard him. And uh, confession, forsaking sin, and forgiveness is godly. Ignoring sin and refusing to take action about sin is not. And so uh, what can we do? God prescribes sincerity. If we want spiritual wholeness and healing, God provides sincerity. He, he prescribes community, and he prescribes holiness. Uh, what can we do? Well, uh, in light of this teaching, what can we do? We can be a soul winner. Uh, the Bible says that if any of you see somebody struggling or sinning and you're able to convert them, let him know that he which converts a sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and hide a multitude of sins. Uh, that is, in a sense, being a soul winner. And none of us want to forget about the needs of the lost around us. There are so many needs. Uh, but also our own church. Every church has its own needs and its own issues that come up from time to time. Uh, and as we are putting these principles into practice, we are helping save uh, these lives, perhaps the families of these people, and hiding a multitude of sins. And so, so find someone interested in your soul to whom you can confess and find healing. You might be the person that God is calling on to reach out to somebody that you know is struggling. Who's talked to that person who's struggling? Has anybody? A lot of times we as God's people don't even know. Well, then we need to take action. Somebody's got to take action. Why don't you take action and be encouraged by this promise that you can save a soul from death and hide a multitude of sins? 
then you take action. That might be what God wants for you, for, from you. But you might be the person, too, who's struggling in some sin. Sins of the heart, sins of the mind, uh, sins of habits. Uh, what can you do? Well, you need to find somebody who you believe is interested in your soul. And certainly Pastor Flaming is, but I'm sure, and, and Mrs. Flaming, but others, too. Other spiritual people who are interested in you, to whom you can confess and find healing. And then if someone comes to you, realize this probably isn't information for everybody. This is information that you need to take with the Lord in order to give a hand to that person who's struggling so they can pull themselves out and stay out whatever that pit of temptation or sin might be in their lives. And so God has a solution. Sicknesses come and sicknesses go. Uh, some physical sicknesses, perhaps we can't control them fully, but there are spiritual sicknesses that we can control as long as we take full advantage of God's remedy. And what does God prescribe? God prescribes sincerity, God prescribes community, and God prescribes holiness. Oh, well, let's, uh, let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I, I pray that you'll help us to be spiritual, spiritually healthy, finding that balance between uh, keeping things perhaps private and talking to God about them, but also learning to open up and confessing what our temptations or our sins are so we can find strength in the God-prescribed community, which is the church, which we have. Uh, and I just pray, Father, that as we put these principles into practice, we will find that healing, we'll find that growth, um, and we'll find that joy that you want for us on a day-to-day -day basis. So I pray for your blessing, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.